glad today to have Brother Augie David. Brother Augie and I have been friends now for several years. We've prayed together, and uh, we've just uh, had an awesome time over the years. And I've seen him move forward in the Lord, especially the last year or so, through all the difficulties and all the trials that he's been through. He persevered. He pressed onward. And you know, today, I just pray that he'll just feel free just to open up and share with us some of the awesome things that God's doing for him. Amen. I'm just going to share a few things from my heart. Uh, uh, and uh, But before I do, I'd like to introduce uh, a few friends that have come here. Um, Brother Johnny, would you stand up for a moment, please? That is uh, Johnny Davis and uh, a friend of mine. And... Uh, You've heard me talk about Brother Dave Roberson. That's uh, Dave Roberson's son-in-law. And uh, my friends, um, uh, Scott from New Hampshire. And uh, and Pamela, God bless you. Why don't you guys stand up for a few moments? Pam, sorry. God bless you. Uh, Scott and I, we've been friends uh, since the days of Noah. We've known each other forever. And, uh, and uh, my friends... Uh, Aaron and uh, Ruby and their children. Uh, what would you, why don't you guys stand up? They're, uh, they just came, came back from an amazing worldwide tour of the ministry. Went to India and Southeast Asia, Australia and all of that. And you might want to talk to them more about their ministry. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to thank all of you and thank you, Sister Ella, for this opportunity to be with you all. And... Uh, I'd like us to take a look at uh, Hebrews chapter 4, please. Hebrews chapter 4 and uh, verse 16. We'll read 14, uh, 15 and 16, please. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our in infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly Come boldly, I can quote it, into the throne of grace and obtain mercy and grace in the time of need. I, I can't open this thing up, sister. Uh, I'm using my sister's Bible. Oh, okay. All right, thank you. Thank you. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hallelujah. Praise God. The word boldly, what is the opposite of the word boldly? Before we get there, what is another way of describing the word boldly? You know, any other synonyms or any descriptive words, anything like Can anybody tell me? Boldly? How do you describe boldly, sister? Courageous. Courageous, okay, that's good. Anyone else? Confident. That's a good one. Boldly, uh, courageous, confident. The opposite of it, what do you think is the opposite of boldly? There you go. There you go. And that's what the Lord laid upon my heart to talk to you a little bit about, is overcoming timidity uh, by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Let's look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 also, please. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and uh, verse... Verses 6 and 7. Paul says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So the contrast between coming boldly into the throne of grace so we can obtain mercy and grace for help in the time of need and here Paul is writing to Timothy, his spiritual son. He's saying, stir up the gift that was given to you by the laying on of my hands. And uh, the next thing he says is, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That means there are gifts and anointing on the inside of us. There are abilities that are on the inside of us 
But somehow, because of intimidation or being timid or whatever, or lack of boldness or confidence and all that, we're not able to bring out those things that are already there on the inside of us. So Paul is encouraging Timothy. And from what I've read a little bit about the life of Timothy, <clears throat> he seemed to be a timid young man. How do you describe someone that's timid? You know, I mean, there's, you know, there's uh, variations of that. Uh, there's uh, degrees of that, uh, all the way from being so introverted that you just don't even know how to talk to people to where you can put on a good front, but deep inside, you feel timid. You feel timid to be with people, to meet new people, to do new things, and all those kinds of things, you know. So Paul says, you know, to Timothy, stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. So the, when Paul prayed for Timothy, he had he'd given him an impartation of the Holy Spirit, you know, just like Paul did for many people. And today, millions of people receive the Holy Spirit. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings with him an anointing. The Holy Spirit brings with him the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a teacher that unveils truths of the Word of God to us. There's many things that the Holy, many things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Praise God. Hallelujah. So he says, you know, stir up that which is on the inside of you because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. In fact, some translation says God has not given you a spirit of timidity. Praise the Lord. So being timid is not of God. Okay, we may have certain personality traits that make it seem like we're more quieter and uh, less, uh, you know, outgoing and things like that. But nevertheless, the idea of timidity, it will rob us uh, of the things that's already on the inside of us that need to be brought out and expressed. So that's the thought here. Praise God. When we deal with people, uh, meeting new people, we always get, you know, nervous or we've got to put on our best foot forward and look our best and mind our manners and all those kinds of things. So there's a certain level of timidity there. And, uh, but, you know, some people, they're so outgoing, that's just really amazing, you know. And uh, uh, you just, uh, you know, wish you could be like them. But uh, <clears throat> God will help us in overcoming timidity when you begin to look inside and realize you have the Holy Spirit. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You've got the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your guide. He's your comforter. When you depend upon Him, He'll help you to overcome different areas. Now, I found, uh, you know, difficulty at times uh, that people have, Christians have, in soul winning, for example, you know. Uh, we feel really petrified. It's hard to talk to people about Jesus, you know. And uh, I remember when I was in college in New Hampshire, uh, my friend uh, Scott's from New Hampshire. Uh, I went to college uh, in New Hampshire many, many years ago, and uh, it was one of the most uh, heathen colleges you can think of. And uh, so I was a new believer, but I was on fire for Christ, you know. I was in a psychology class, and uh, every time I tried to talk about Jesus, to the class, you know, there was arguments, there was resistance, there was criticism, and uh, I was just kind of like intimidated, you know, and I couldn't say a whole lot. <clears throat> and uh, at that time, I was learning a little bit about who I am in Christ, you know, that uh, uh, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, I can do all things through Christ, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ. I was just barely learning those kinds of things. And uh, one day, I gave my professor a copy of Billy Graham's book. Uh, and I asked him to please read it and give me his reaction. Well, he read it, but he didn't give me the reaction. He gave it to the whole class, which was unfair, you know. And uh, he talked about how Billy Graham's book was terrible, and uh, Christianity is for, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, people that are not intellectual and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff, and that he has no use for Christianity and all those things. So he influenced a class of 65 students with his opinions. I felt so bad, so low, and, uh, you know, after the class, uh, you know, I just said to him, I said, uh, uh, sir, I said, uh, um, I asked you to read it and give me personally the reactions that you have, not to necessarily to the whole class. If they had read the book, they would probably disagreed with you. 
He said, well, okay. And, uh, and, uh, and he turned around to leave. As he turned around to leave, this holy boldness came upon me, and I said, I said, sir, and he turned around, and I said, I want you to apologize to the class next time we get together. He said, for what? He said, because they hadn't read the book, and you imposed your negative view of Christianity upon them. And he kind of hemmed and hawed, and he said, oh, okay, okay, all right, I'm sorry. I'll do it. And then uh, he turned around to leave, and again, this holy boldness came upon me, and I said, so one more thing. And he turned around, and I said, after you apologize the next class, I want you to turn the whole class to me because I want equal time. <laughs> and I mean, he was shocked at what I said, and I was shocked at what I said too, you know. He said, okay. So, you know, in the class, I, <clears throat> uh, uh, you know, <clears throat> I started to talk, remembering all these other uh, criticism from the other students and everything else. And the professor just, uh, said, I apologize to the class because you haven't read the book, and I impose my uh, opinions about Christianity to you. Uh, I apologize for that. And I'm turning the class over to Augie. And I started getting so nervous, you know. And, oh, my God, you know, you know. I was starting to stutter and say some things, and, and I just didn't know what I was saying. And all of a sudden, I, I started thinking about 2 Timothy 1.7. You know, in my mind, I was muttering to myself, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. You know, I can do all things through Christ, you know. And as I meditated on that and quoted that to myself in my mind while at the same time, you know, stammering and stuttering, saying something to this whole class where there was a lot of hostility against Christianity and things like that, you know, and the, the, everything changed. The anointing came upon me, and, and, and I began to talk to them for 25 minutes about Jesus Christ, how he's changed my life, and how it's important for them, you know, to accept Jesus as well for 25 minutes in the class. And after I finished talking... There was about five minutes silence. Nobody said anything. And I looked around, and everybody had their heads down like this, and it was silent. And I didn't even have to give an altar call. The professor said, if any of you would like to accept Jesus, talk to Augie, and the class is dismissed, you know? <laughs> so that's the way I began to overcome some of these things, is by 2 Timothy 1.7. <clears throat> God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of sound mind, praise God. And as I begin to acknowledge who I am in Jesus Christ, in the book of Philemon, verse 6, it says, By simply acknowledging every good thing that's in you in Christ, your faith is made effectual, praise God. So we just need to acknowledge who we are in Jesus Christ. This was the problem with the ten spies uh, during Moses' time that came back and said, We were like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and so we became in the eyes of the giants. The problem is it wasn't the giants that kept him out of the promised land. It was the grasshoppers. We were like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and so we became in the eyes of the giant. <clears throat> and uh, so, um, you know, uh, I remember um, <clears throat> um, uh, in Laconia, New Hampshire, also that's another town in New Hampshire. I was preaching over there. A lady came up to me, and uh, after a morning session, you know, she said, would you please come to my house my, my husband's a backslidden preacher. He's an alcoholic. He's living in sin and everything else. Would you please come and talk to him about the Lord, please? I said, is he open at all? And she said, no, he's not. But please, please, I'd really like you to come and talk to him. I said, sister, if he's not open, I really don't want to come. You know, and uh, she said, please. She was really pleading with me. So I reluctantly came, and I went to her house. And as I went there, her husband, big tall guy, he stood there like this, right at the entrance of the door, and he says, Augie, before you open your mouth, let me tell you this. I know more about the Bible than you do. I've been to Bible school. I was a preacher, but I'm backslidden. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an adulterer. I'm all these kinds of things and all that kind of stuff. So there's nothing you're going to say that's going to change me. Do you understand that? I said, whoa, you know. And, uh, but then he said, uh, he said, um, but one thing I'll tell you, I'm an honest man. I'm straightforward. I'm an honest man. Suddenly these words came out of my mouth by the Holy Spirit. And I said to him, sir, if you're planning on going to hell anyway, it's not necessary for you to be honest. <laughs> and that hit him like a, <laughs> like, like a stone on Goliath's head, you know. And he just uh, did a double take. And he said, okay, come on in. Come on in. Would you like tea or coffee or whatever? Got to minister and things like that, you know. 
But there's a lot of things that the devil likes to do to intimidate us. But we have something on the inside of us. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we have these kinds of things. And uh, also I remember in preaching also many times, you know, you get intimidated. You feel timid. You're in a new place, new culture, new country, you know, uh, different language. And, you know, you don't know how you fit. You don't know how you're going to come across uh, and things like that. I was in Russia, you know, many, many years ago. And I tell you what, uh, that was different, very different. And uh, in the auditorium that we were having a meeting in, it was freezing cold. So, I, And I'm an Indian. When it comes to wintertime, I'm an Indian, you know. I like to keep it warm, you know. But uh, I was freezing, and, uh, th and I was given the opportunity to start preaching then. There's a whole lot of people in the auditorium. And when I asked them to stand up, along with the translator translating and everything else, they stood up, they sang some songs. And, but there was one guy just sat right there. This big, tough guy looked so angry and hateful. He wouldn't stand up. He wouldn't clap his hands. He wouldn't raise his hand. He wouldn't do nothing, you know. He just kept staring at me with hatred and hostility, you know. And uh, I didn't know what to do. This is Russia, man. I mean, I, I don't know what to expect, you know, what's going to happen. And uh, so I was just saying, Lord, what am I going to do, you know, while the song was going on? This guy's looking at me, you know. Everybody's seeking the Lord, and this guy's just looking at me and staring at me. And every time I glance at him, he got, he's got that seething look on his face and attitude, you know. And he wouldn't budge. And I closed my eyes, and when I closed my eyes, I saw the presence of God coming upon him. And the Lord, uh, I just saw a vision. I saw a vision of God's power coming upon him. And the Lord says, I've got him under my control. Don't worry about it. Instantly, all that fear and the intimidation just left. I just preached up a storm. When I gave an altar call, guess what? He was one of the guys that came forward, came running forward to accept Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. We overcome timidity because of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. Praise God. Uh, stir up the gift that's on the inside of you because God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. I remember preaching in uh, Minnesota also several years ago. And uh, there was this guy that looked like a big uh, Hell's Angel type of dude, you know, thick, uh, dark glasses and beard and big guy, just dressed uh, like a Hell's Angel kind of guy sitting in the back. And, uh, and again, it's the same kind of thing. Oh, I said, oh, my God, you know. And it was a small church, you know, and, and uh, not too many people there. And he just kept looking at me, staring at me, no emotion. And, well, the rest of them, and I, it's messing up my message. It's messing up my ability to communicate. And I didn't know what to do. And the Lord said, just preach by faith. Preach by faith, you know. <laughs> you can't be moved by faith, but by, you know, but, but you can't be moved by sight, but by faith. So I just said, I thank you, Lord. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. I can do all things. Your grace is sufficient for me, even in my weakness. And, uh, and so I just went ahead and preached by faith. I was feeling very intimidated. And uh, at the end of the service, this guy, just big dude, you know, really scary guy, dressed very scary, slowly started coming towards me and his voice is really really very scary I came up to him and I said oh my god what am I going to do now so walking up towards me he said okay I said yeah that's the best message I've ever heard in my life <laughs> then we got to know each other a little bit and he gave me a ride from northern Minnesota to Twin Cities, four hours. He, became, he liked me a lot, and he said, uh, okay, I'll take you down to um, Twin Cities, to the airport and all that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, on the way, he's telling me things like how he'd killed a few people and all that kind of stuff, into drugs and all those kinds of things. And oh, my God, you know, what's all going on? <laughs> but that's the best sermon he's ever heard, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a lot of reasons why the devil can use either our own timid aspects of our personality or the spirit of fear itself, circumstances, the way people look, the way people sound, and all those kinds of things, you know. And uh, uh, sometimes, you know, people come up to me, and one lady came up to me, and she said, okay, please pray for my boss, you know, and uh, he really is really intimidating. Every time I try to witness to him, he's uh, really on my case, and um, please, would you please pray for me <clears throat> that I can witness to my boss? Then uh, she said, but he's very, very intelligent. I said, that's not true, sister. If he's really intelligent, how come he's not saved? 
I said, you should look at it that way because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I don't care what the world calls intelligent. You know, fear of God is the beginning of uh, uh, this thing. Then another scripture here also in uh, Luke chapter 21, 14 and 15. This is one thing the Holy Spirit gave me. I was remember living in Portland, Oregon, driving in the city, and all of a sudden, this thing came up out of, into my spirit, and I had to go and look at the Bible. And uh, can we find that uh, scripture, guys? Okay. Uh, Luke chapter 21, 14 and 15. Thank you. 21. Luke chapter 21, 14 and 15. Thanks. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Hallelujah. I will give you wisdom in such a way that none of your opponents will be able to resist or combat. Isn't that wonderful? He's talking about in the difficult situations when they're brought before courts and everything else. God, Jesus says, settle it ahead of time. You don't have to premeditate what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit, because of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Praise God. Hallelujah. So when you're witnessing to people, I remember again, back to college. I don't know why uh, Scott being here is bringing me some New Hampshire stories here. When I was in college, there's a football player in college, you know, and uh, he was staying in another part of the same dormitory. And he knew I was a Jesus freak, you know. And so, and as I was walking by, uh, he said, Augie, come over into, into my room. I want you to tell me about Jesus. I thought, oh, wow, that's great. But little did I know, he called me in just to mock me, argue with me, and harass me, you know. And uh, he started arguing. You don't believe the Bible, do you? You don't, you know, uh, you don't believe that uh, Jesus is the only way, do you? I mean, he started attacking me with so many questions and everything else. I said, yes, I do. Yes, I do, you know. And... Uh, uh, then he says, uh, uh, you know, you don't believe there's a hell, do you? I said, I sure do, and you're going straight there. <laughs> Unless you accept Jesus as the Lord of your life, you know. And pretty soon, that backed him off a little bit, and then he, I started answering some other questions. Two hours, I ended up talking to him. By the end of two hours, he said, yeah, that's right, yeah, that's right. He that's righted himself into the kingdom of God. In fact, I don't know, Scott, you may or may not remember, when we came, uh, uh, he came from Dover, name is Jeff. He came and gave his testimony at your church in New Hampshire. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. And he got into ministries and began to win a lot of people to Christ as well. Praise God. Thank God. And when I first came to the United States, I was 18 years old, went to a heathen college. I was one year old in the Lord. And I tried to talk to, you know, find some Christian fellowship. I couldn't find any Christian fellowship, you know. So that's when I realized I'm a missionary here to the heathen country of the United States, you know, at least the heathen college anyway. So I began to just witness to people who led uh, three uh, professors to the Lord and just uh, blitzed the campus with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I was tested sorely, but praise God. I have found out 2 Timothy 1.7 is true. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. All we have to do is stir it up. Praise God. Stir up the gift that's on the inside of us. Praise God. One of the ways that you stir up uh, the moving of the Holy Spirit is by praying with other tongues. And uh, towards the end, I might just share a little bit about how we use praying in other tongues to bring up the mind of Christ in our lives. Praise God. Also, praying in tongues prepares the way for the other gifts of the Holy Spirit to be manifested. But there's uh, timidity. Uh, I remember when I traveled with Dave Robertson, who was a uh, outstanding uh, uh, minister of healing uh, so many years ago 47 years ago in Oregon so when I left Dave to go out on my own ministry I said Dave can you give me some tip on how to pray for the sick for healing uh, in a more effective ways and because uh, I was getting ready to go into my own ministry and he said sure and I thought I better pay attention to what he's going to say he said what I want to tell you Augie is you need to keep on laying hands on the sick until somebody gets healed I said, okay, keep on laying hands on the sick until somebody gets healed. Why, Dave? He said, because you need the practice and the people need the prayer. <laughs> so what a smart, elegant guy to get a nice point across, you know. <laughs> keep on laying hands on the sick until somebody gets healed, you know. And uh, that's what the devil tries to intimidate you, you know. 
Well, you know, they didn't feel any better. They got even worse. Some of the people you prayed for went off and died anyway and all those things. So, you know, leave your hands to yourself. You know, don't just don't lay hands on anybody else. But I overcame those kinds of, uh, that kind of timidity and began, I started my ministry in New Hampshire. That's why I tell a lot of New Hampshire stories. And uh, I remember when I started out my ministry in New Hampshire, 1976, you know, uh, I got called by a lady. Uh, and uh, she said that my mom is 90 years old, completely deaf in both ears. And would you please come and pray? I said, sure. Now, I hadn't seen hardly any miracles in my ministry. I was just on my own, you know. Um, so I went there, and uh, a totally deaf 90-year-old mom of this lady, and I rebuked the deaf spirits and tried to test it, and she couldn't hear anything at all. And uh, so I told the lady, I said, Sister, Jesus said in Mark 11, 24, whatever you desire, at that moment of prayer, believe that you have already received, and it shall be granted. So what I would advise you is start thanking God for your mom's healing. And I gave that instruction and left. But, you know, disappointed that there was no instant manifestation of this 90-year-old lady's, uh, you know, healing from total deafness in both ears. And a few hours later, this lady called me. And uh, she said, you wouldn't believe what happened. She was so excited over the phone. I said, what happened? She said that I had to go away out of the house for uh, an hour. And during that time, the postman came with a package. And he started knocking on the door. And he said, is anybody home? You know. And uh, so he knocked a couple of times, anybody home? And all of a sudden, she says, my mom's hearing had come back. She said, yes, I'm here. And she opened the door and picked up the package. Praise God. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. So sometimes when it looks like somebody didn't get healed, it's easy to get timid again. I'm never going to pray for another deaf ear again, you know. I'm never going to do this again, all those kinds of things, you know. So <clears throat> so there's timidity, you know. So like Dave's, <laughs> Dave's uh, uh, wisdom really helped a lot. Keep on laying hands on the sick until somebody gets healed. You know, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Jesus said these signs will follow them. If you want signs to follow, you cannot be stationary. You cannot be in one place. You've got to keep on laying hands upon the sick. If you want the signs to follow you, you keep moving so they can start following. Praise God. And that's where the devil defeats us, you know. So you just keep on laying hands on the sick. And over the many years, we've seen tens of thousands of people heal of all kinds of things. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the Lord helped me to overcome the timidity in the area of soul winning by acknowledging who I am in Christ. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And same thing with the functioning of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. And uh, uh, I, I learned a lot. There's a lot of things uh, that are taught. There's a lot of things that are caught. And with Dave Robertson, when I lived and traveled with him for a year, I, I had both. I was taught as well as it, uh, you know, uh, it was caught, the anointing and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and things like that. And, uh, but I did my own thing also. I claimed the scriptures. Uh, you know, I wrote a little contract before God, uh, certain scriptures like Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And uh, uh, John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in me, ask what you will. And John 14, 12, the works that I do, you'll do also, and greater works than these, because you, uh, I go to the Father. Uh, if I'm going to do the works of Jesus, I need the, all the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. If I'm going to do the greater works of, uh, than Jesus, I'm going to definitely need all the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. So based on a lot of these kinds of scriptures, I wrote a little contract before God, put it in my wallet, and morning and evening for the next seven months, I would just read it out and say, Lord, according to these scriptures, I am claiming all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I believe by faith. And faith calls into being things that are not as though they were. That's what Abraham did. Uh, Romans 4.17, faith calls into being things that are not as though they were. So I said, Lord, I'm declaring in Jesus' name based on this promise and this scripture, uh, these scriptures, I'm just saying I believe that all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit are abundantly and consistently and ever increasingly and ever accurately being manifested in my life day by day, month by month, year by year, and so on. Praise God. It took seven or eight months, and then it broke loose. Praise God. Suddenly visions began to take place. All these kinds of things began to manifest themselves. So that's part of stirring the gifts of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, the giver of all these gifts, are, is already on the inside of us. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's a teacher. He's an empowerer. He's the one that anoints us. Praise God. So we overcome these things. And uh, I'll, again, I'll uh, come back to praying in tongues as being a, a key to all the gifts of the Holy Spirit as well as a key to 
accessing the mind of Christ. Same thing with deliverance. You know, demonic uh, forces. Uh, again, back in college, there was a guy that used to live in the woods. You know, he was a student. He was, I guess, part-time student on and off. But he was just all to himself, smoking cigarettes, on dope all the time. You know, looked scary all the time, you know. And he had a backpack, uh, not backpack, it's just a some garbage kind of bag on the back of him. And just used to walk around all over the place on the campus. It was so scary. Definitely demonized. And I tried to witness to him. And uh, so I said, uh, we were in the coffee house and a couple other friends of mine. And he says, no, no, he was into Eastern religions and all that. He said, no, that's not true, that's not true. But I kept on speaking, speaking the word of God. And he says, Augie, when you were speaking, I saw a whole lot of demons around you. They were going round and round and round. But light came through anyway. You kept on speaking, you know. And uh, he said, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'll come to your meeting, Bible study this evening. You know, I'll come. I'll come. I'm interested, you know. So I thought, man, this guy's really very demonized and all that stuff. And I said, uh, Lord, I'm, I'm going to have to pray. I called my friends together. I said, before this guy comes to the meeting, in case demons manifest and cause all kinds of things and all that, you know. So I took authority over those devils ahead of time. I said, all these devils over him, I rebuke you in Jesus' name and claim his deliverance and all that. When he came, he was so calm, he was completely delivered. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, but uh, he looks, he looked like the devil. He was so intimidating, but you cannot be intimidated by these kinds of things, you know. And uh, a lot of times the devil likes to throw, throw up a fit and everything else and uh, intimidate us. So when in doubt, cast it out. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. And many times people just wait to see if the devil's left. Why do you want to wait to see if the devil's left? You know, the Bible says, resist the devil, he will flee from you. That's it. God said it, and he has to go whether he likes it or not. Praise God. We don't entertain him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Then um, coming back to coming boldly into the throne of grace, I uh, had an experience uh, many, many years ago, some very bad experience, and I was taking my wife and children uh, across to the West Coast, we got stuck in, uh, in Washington uh, State in the mountain passes. There was a lot of snow and ice. You know, I thought maybe we'll drive a little bit longer before we settle in for a motel for the night. And, uh, but I misjudged the time, misjudged the weather, you know, and we got stuck where there was a lot of snow, a lot of ice, huge mountain passes. And there was some cars slipping off and all that. It was just really, really scary. And at that time, I was just already in the beginning of my deep depression because of hurtful things that happened in my life. I was so easily intimidated and all of those kinds of things. And I had to pull over to the side and because I couldn't go down, uh, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, my wife uh, was praying. Kids were crying in the back and, you know, and uh, uh, I just was scared. I was petrified. Then after some time, I just said, let me try to go a little bit. And then it started sliding again. It was horrible and it was scary. And... Uh, uh, we were there for two hours. I turned the car on and off to keep ourselves warm. And the kids were crying. I didn't know what to do. It was just the middle of nowhere, you know. And I thought, this is getting very dangerous. So I got out, and I tried to see if I could flag somebody down. There was a guy that was driving a pickup truck, truck that had uh, chains on his tires. And he managed to stop, and we just ran over there. And uh, I, I said, sir, I, I can't drive. You know, Can you take us to the next town to a hotel, please? He said, sure. So all of us just squeezed into that front section of that uh, pickup truck that I chased. The guy was very confident. He drove us, but the nearest town was 30 miles away. So I left my car up there on that hill, went 30 miles away, and got into a hotel. And I told my wife and kids to go to sleep and everything else. I was so dejected, so disappointed with God. You know, I knelt down after the lights were off. I went to a corner there near the uh, chair. I knelt down, and I broke down, and I told the Lord, Jesus... You have disappointed me. You have disappointed me. Right there, a lie of the enemy got gripped in my thinking that I became convinced that, you know, he doesn't care about my needs. He doesn't, he won't answer my prayers. But when it came to praying for other people, I saw miracles and everything else. For years this happened, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, that's why I was so needy all the time, praying, having people pray for me, pray for my needs here and all that. I just couldn't because I somehow, because of that experience, I had an experience that uh, it just made me convinced that he doesn't care. It's a lie of the enemy. I knew it. 
you know, consciously, but somehow when I try to go before God, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain grace and mercy, I couldn't do that. I needed to have other people to do that. This happened, uh, went on for a few years. And then uh, several years ago, I was going through a particularly painful time right here in, uh, in, in Tulsa, and I was fasting and praying. I knelt down. Uh, I'm, uh, I mean, I sat down. I was in a two-day fast, 13 hours of praying in tongues and all that, just because of the pain I was going through. And uh, suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon me, and uh, he said, uh, I, I want to deliver you from the fear of man because you're so much in bondage, what other people think and all those kinds of things, you know. But as I started to read my Bible from Proverbs, uh, where it talks about that, you know, the fear of man brings us there and so on. Uh, so when I got up to get my Bible, I doubled over like this. I felt like electricity, you know, just a very powerful electricity going into my stomach. And I'm thinking, I thought I was going to drop dead. What is going on? I feel like I'm being electrocuted. And uh, I couldn't stand up straight, so I bent down, started walking around. And uh, uh, I was crying. I didn't know what was going on. All of a sudden, I felt a very powerful, strong arm start coming around me like this, an invisible hand. And I tried to push that hand away, push that hand away. And it kept coming, powerful, invisible hand to grab me like this. I kept pushing that away. I was so scared. I thought I was going to drop dead. And uh, finally, this powerful, invisible hand overpowered me and grabbed me like this, by the, by the chest like this. And, and it was the hand of Jesus. And I heard the voice of Jesus for 25 minutes. 25 minutes right here in Tulsa. And these are the words that he spoke to me for 25 minutes. The Lord reminded me of that incident. In fact, he brought up that memory and that uh, incident about what, when I knelt down, I said, Lord Jesus, you know, you've let me down. He brought that whole memory from years earlier. And, when, and then I heard his voice, and all I heard him say for 25 minutes was, very big, powerful hand, grabbing me like this. I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. 25 minutes of it. That began to break down that uh, whole bondage of, to that lie, you know, that he's not concerned about my personal needs. I have to depend on somebody else to pray for my personal needs and things like that. But when it comes to me praying for other people, no problem. I had faith for those kinds of things, you know. I remember during the next few days as I was driving around Tulsa, Suddenly, I would be so overcome by that experience, I'd just pull over to the side <clears throat> just to weep. Say, Lord Jesus, I knew you cared, but, you know, I went through these experiences. Made me feel like you didn't. You know, so, you know, so uh, I'm telling you some things here because there are many reasons why we may find it difficult to come boldly into the throne of grace and obtain mercy and grace for help in the time of need. So don't be timid. God has not given you a spirit of timidity. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. And he said, come boldly into the throne of grace, confidently, boldly. Praise God. Not arrogantly, but boldly, confidently. You know, in uh, Romans 12, verse 3 says, uh, uh, don't think of yourself higher than you ought to think, but think of yourself according to the measure of faith. Praise God. A lot of times, arrogance, pride, and faith, they seem like a little bit similar at times, but, but there's a big difference between them. So you're not to think about yourself more highly than you ought to think, but don't demean yourself. Think of yourself in the line of faith. Think according to the measure of faith. So I'm coming to God in faith with confidence, with boldness, praise God. Not arrogance, not pride. But I'm coming boldly, and God says, come confidently. Come boldly into my throne of grace and obtain. Now, he didn't say come and hope for it. He said, come and get it. Come and obtain it. So that's where, because of a lot of experiences in our lives, some of the things that are happening in our lives, we find it difficult. We find ourselves timid. That's why God, uh, Paul said to Timothy, he says, uh, stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Praise God. So there's so many areas we're timid in that we're not able to speak up. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of people get depressed. Because you stuff things and stuff things. I know I've done that, you know. And they said depression is anger that's turned inward, you know. And uh, so we need to just, uh, you know, come boldly to the throne of grace. Praise God. Hallelujah. And obtain mercy and grace for help in the time of need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, 
here's how I, I'm sharing a lot of my testimony, but this is the way I had to walk out of a lot of things uh, from timidity, not being, I used to, you know, I, I used to not be able to come boldly to the throne of grace. You know, I just said, oh, he's not, he, he doesn't care. He won't hear. Just like all the other hundred times that I've prayed this thing, nothing's ever happened. So you just, you know, you just go back to, well, whatever, Lord, you know, I'm so used to, if you don't answer this prayer, I'm okay, you know. What else is new, right? You know, that kind of thing. And we get into that quiet, a place of quiet desperation. You know, uh, some great author one time said, most people live, uh, live lives of quiet desperation. Uh, that means you live a life of many sighs. Do you know what a sigh is? <sighs> I wish things were different. <sighs> I wish my husband was saved and delivered. <sighs> I wish things didn't happen this way with my family. <sighs> we live a life, we get so used to a life of sighing I live lives of quiet desperation. So this is a strong invitation. God says, come boldly, come confidently. Don't be timid. You know, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Praise God. Come boldly and obtain. Praise the Lord. Now, um, I'm going to take an example in the area of finances. I saw so much abuse in the prosperity message and among a lot of the faith preachers and things like that. So many years ago, I rejected the entire thing. You know, and uh, uh, you know, and I ended up living in poverty and need and crisis, one crisis after another, financial and things like that. But uh, thank God, I'm not one of them that preach prosperity. You know, that was my thought at the time. You know, and then God began to restore a lot of things back to me, and I began to understand. Hey, I used to work these principles before. You know, I was prosperous, I was victorious. You know, back in the early days. Uh, uh, I was in New York, had opened up so much, I was negotiating for an office in the Empire State Building to move there and uh, uh, to have an office there. And But before that, my whole world collapsed, you know, and so many things happened in my life. And I rejected the, uh, because of the abuses and things like that, the faith and prosperity message, I rejected that much to my, um, uh, my um, detriment. You see, in 1 Timothy 1.18, it says, if you neglect faith, you are going to be on a collision course for a shipwreck in your faith. That's really basically what happened. It was a shipwreck of faith. You know, you cannot neglect that just because other people abused it and things like that. But anyway, so for so many years, for decades, I had rejected this whole thing, even though mentally I knew the scripture said certain things and all that. But then a few years ago, I came across Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 47 and 48. Could you put that on, please? Deuteronomy 28, verses 47 and 48, please. Thank you. Deuteronomy 28, verses 47, thank you, and 48. <clears throat> it says, Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, next, therefore thou shalt serve thine enemies, and he tells you what the enemies are, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger, that is, lack of food. That's an enemy. And in thirst, lack of drink. That's an enemy. And in nakedness, lack of clothing. That's an enemy. And in the want or the lack of all things. The lack of all things is an enemy. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. So, I mean, I'd known all these scriptures, but it came in a fresh way. You know, I, I, I remember reading that a few years ago, and I said, Lord, but, you know, I, I love you. I'm not serving you. It's easy to say, you know, I'm not looking to God's hand. I'm looking to his face. That all sounds noble and everything else. But God is the one that says, because you did not serve me with gladness of heart and joyfulness of heart. But notice that in verse 47, uh, go back, please, verse 47. Because you did not serve the Lord thy God with glad joyfulness and with gladness of heart. Why did he put this next phrase in there? Man, it's so confusing. For the abundance of all things. Wait a minute. For, why is it even there? It seems so misplaced over there. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness of heart and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Lord, I'm not serving you with joyfulness because for the abundance of all things. I'm not in it for the money. I'm not in it for the prosperity. I'm not serving you because of what I can get from you. I serve you because I love you. See, herein is where there's a slight deception. We get off over here. Why do you think he's put it over there? That's in Deuteronomy 28. The first 15 or 13 verses 
talks about when you hear and do the word of God, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. It gives you a whole catalog and categories of God's blessings. You'll be blessed here, blessed there, blessed, blessing, blessings come upon you and overtake you. You know, you'll have an abundance of blessings and all that. So basically, when it says, for the abundance of all things, that is just a phrase to recap the first 13 verses of the same chapter, that when you hear and do the word of God, all these blessings will come upon you. Okay, that's what he's referring to. So he said, because you did not serve the Lord your God uh, with joyfulness of heart and gladness of our heart for the abundance of all things. Next verse says, therefore, you will serve your enemies. Lack of all things, lack of clothing, lack of everything until like a poverty will come upon you like an iron, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, thorn and, and, and destroy you. Then I began to wake up to the fact that Wait a minute, he's talking about that if you're hearing and doing the word of God diligently, these things are supposed to come upon you anyway. That's part of the package, just like when Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added to you. You're not seeking things, but things will be seeking you if you got the right priority. That's what he's talking about. Then I remember Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But the next part of that says, for he that comes to God must believe. Everybody say, must believe. He that comes to God must believe that he is, must believe he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Are you diligently seeking him about certain things? Then you must believe that because you're diligently seeking him, he is a rewarder. Praise God. Jesus himself said in Matthew 6, you know, you know, when you, when you give in secret, the Heavenly Father will reward you openly. When you pray in secret, the Heavenly Father will reward you openly. Praise God. When you fast in secret, He'll do that. In other words, you come there with expectation. You don't simply come for the sake of giving your prayer request to people. You're coming there because I'm expecting. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace and receive mercy and grace for help in the time of need. Praise God. So then I began to wake up to the fact, wait a minute, it was God's idea to expect Him to reward us. Praise God. So when I serve Him with gladness of heart, then Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 to 13, kicks in, which is what this phrase means, for the abundance of all things. I know that when I'm hearing and doing the Word of God, all these things are coming upon me and overtaking me. Praise God. That's what He's talking about. But if you don't do that, and if you're not expecting any of these kinds of things, then He says all these other curses will come upon you. You'll be cursed in everything. In business, in family, in health, in every area of your life. There's a longer list of curses over there. So this morning when we close, we're going to make some declarations based on Deuteronomy 28. So that the blessings of God might come upon us. We're going to expect Him to do some things. We're going to expect to be healed. We're going to expect to be delivered. We're going to expect miracles. We're going to expect financial breakthroughs. Praise God. Not just because, not just, you know, well, Lord, I did this, I did that. So even when you give, when you give, you give with expectation. Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. We only focus on the first part of it, you know. We give. I love you, Lord, so I'm giving. No, read the rest of it. He says, it will be given to you. Praise God. He says, 2 Corinthians 9 6 says, God is able to make all, oh, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. You're always self-sufficient in everything and abound to every good work. Praise God. So these are the scriptures I lived by many, many years ago. But the enemy, because of offense and things like that, had taken it out of my life. And I'm the one that suffered for it. So, and it caused a lot of timidity. Oh, he's a holy God. He's a great God. How could I dare, you know, ask him for something, you know, that boldly, you know? How, you know, Lord, uh, I don't deserve anything. I, I'm, I don't, I made too many mistakes and all these kinds of things. But he says, come boldly to the throne of grace. And uh, the key to coming boldly to the throne of grace is knowing that you are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I like one definition. It says, righteousness is my God-given ability to stand in the presence of God without any sense of fear, condemnation, guilt, shame, or inferiority. Because righteousness is a gift, and it's by faith. I'm sure you believe the salvation is a gift. It's by faith. You have it now. Now wait till you die. I'm sure you believe the Holy Spirit is a gift, and you have it now. Don't have to wait till you die. 
If so, then you, the Bible says righteousness is a gift. Romans 5.17 says with the gift of righteousness, we rule and reign in this life. Praise God. So righteousness is a gift. You have it now and you don't have to wait till you die. Praise God. So when you know that you're the righteousness of God, also one reason why we're always dependent on other people to pray for us is uh, Hebrew, uh, 1 Peter 3.12 says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. And, but Lord, I don't feel righteous. I'm not righteous. I've done too many things wrong. You know, Sister Ella is righteous, you know. So, or Roberts is righteous, and all these other people are righteous. No, not me. Yes, you are. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for you, that you might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And you better believe you're the righteousness of God, because that's a big piece of the armor of God in Ephesians 6, is a breastplate of righteousness. Otherwise, you've got some wide open areas where the enemy can attack you and that robs you of your confidence before God and keeps you timid, not wanting to ask God for big things, not expect God to do great things. So I'm preaching this to myself also this morning, but uh, I want to encourage you. This is what the Holy Spirit laid upon my heart is to encourage us to overcome timidity by the Holy Spirit. Paul said to Timothy, you know, uh, stir up the gift, the word. Uh, one translation says, uh, uh, stir up the gift means uh, fan, fan it until it turns into flames. Praise God. Fan that gift until it comes into flames. Praise God. Which is where I'm going to close now with just a little bit about the praying in tongues business and uh, receiving the mind of Christ in given situations of our life. Proverbs 20 and verse 5 says, counsel or wisdom in, the man's, in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding, he'll draw it up. Praise God. Draw it out. So the picture is God's wisdom, God's counsel, God's um, uh, mind, the mind of Christ, is deep inside of us. The picture is that of a well deep inside. Counsel, or the mind of Christ, in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding knows how to draw that out. So the idea is we need a bucket to bring that deep well of God's wisdom out. That's Proverbs 20, verse uh, 5. Proverbs 18 and verse 4 says, uh, the you know the words of a man's mouth are like deep waters. Wait a minute. The other one says counsel is like deep waters, but this thing says the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. Apparently it came out of the well and it's now in the words of your mouth. The words of a man's mouth is as deep waters and counsel is like a flowing brook. Evidently the words of your mouth became the bucket that you dip deep inside here and started pulling that out. Wisdom in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding knows how to use that bucket and draw that out. And that bucket is the words of your mouth. Hello, praying in tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2 says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to men, but he speaks to God. In that he speaks divine secrets or divine mysteries. Praise God. Hello. When you pray in tongues, for example, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3 says, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's your well for you. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Are you in Christ? Is Christ is in you? Therefore, in you, because of Him in you, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When you begin to pray in tongues, that's the bucket that goes deep inside and delves into the depths of God's wisdom and knowledge that are hidden inside of you because of Him. Praise God. And over a period of time, I don't have time to talk a whole lot about praying in tongues, but this is a key, and First uh, Corinthians chapter two, Paul talks about the fact that uh, you know the wisdom of God, the mind of Christ was a hidden thing, but uh, from the devil, but not from us. Then he goes on to say the Holy Spirit works in us with words not taught by man, but words taught by the Holy Ghost. And three verses later, he says, "Who has known the mind of the Lord? We have the mind of Christ." So there's a picture there. That praying in tongues is the bucket that you can pull the mind of Christ out, the wisdom of God out, and we can say, we have the mind of Christ. Praise God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's the mind of Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. I wish I had more time to go into a lot of more things, but uh, this is what the Holy Spirit laid upon my heart to encourage you with. Don't be timid in your prayer life. Don't be timid in your witnessing to people. Don't be timid in functioning in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Don't be timid in uh, uh, when you give, when you tithe. Uh, expect God to multiply that, you know, because uh, if you don't serve God, 
you know, for, with gladness of heart, for the abundance of all things, then all these curses will come upon you. All these things, the lack of everything, praise God. So I had to get my expector expecting again. Hallelujah. Not get used to the same old, same old all the time. So I hope uh, the Holy Spirit has encouraged you to touch your heart, to raise your expectations. I know we've been disappointed many times, but that doesn't uh, mean that we should allow the enemy to use that to keep us timid in our soul winning, in praying for the sick, functioning in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, casting out devils, preaching the gospel, and then finally coming boldly into the throne of grace to obtain grace and mercy for help. And this is what the Holy Spirit laid upon my heart. Share with you. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lift your hands up to the Lord, please. Hallelujah. Say this after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Wash me by your precious blood. I believe in my heart. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. I declare with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord. I believe I am born again. Jesus is my Lord. I have eternal life. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. Thank you for loving me, Lord. I love you, Lord Jesus. I receive this word today in the name of Jesus. Every wicked spirit controlling the roots of bondage and sin and addictions, I'm talking to you. You have no more dominion over me. I have dominion over you. And in the name of Jesus, you are bound, paralyzed, brought to nothing under my feet. In the name of Jesus, every wicked spirit controlling the roots of sickness and disease and pain in my body, I am talking to you. You have no more dominion over my body. I have dominion over you. And in the name of Jesus, you are bound. You're paralyzed. You're brought to nothing. You're under my feet. And I declare, I believe, I now receive supernatural healing and health towards a very long life. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, you took all my diseases, all my sickness, all my pains. And according to your word, by your stripes, I was healed. I believe I am healed in the name of Jesus. Every wicked spirit controlling the roots of fear, intimidation, anxiety, nervousness, restlessness, panic, intimidation, witchcraft, oppression, depression, harassment, torment. I'm talking to you. You have no more dominion over me. I have dominion over you. And in the name of Jesus, you are cursed. You're cursed to the roots in Jesus' name. And I declare, I have been delivered from the authority of darkness. In Jesus' name, every wicked spirit controlling the roots of issues in my family with division, with anger, with hatred, with bitterness, unforgiveness, offense, bondage, destructiveness. I'm talking to you. You have no more dominion over my family. I have dominion over you. And in the name of Jesus, you are bound, paralyzed, brought to nothing under my feet in Jesus' name. And I declare all my family members are coming to Jesus. As for me and my family, we're serving Jesus. Hallelujah. Every wicked spirit controlling the roots of my financial issues with bondage, with crisis, with lack, with poverty, with debts. You have no more dominion over my finance. I have dominion over you. And in the name of Jesus, you are bound, paralyzed, brought to nothing 
and under my feet in Jesus' name. And I declare I'm a generous tither and a, uh, and a disciplined giver. Open the windows of heaven. Pour out a blessing. Rebuke the devourer in the name of Jesus. I give. It's given unto me. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Men pour into my bosom. In Jesus' name. I sow bountifully. I reap bountifully. God is making all grace abound towards me. I'm always self-sufficient in all things. In Jesus' name. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm victorious. I thank you, Lord. All these blessings are coming upon me and overtaking me. I'm diligently hearing the word and acting on the word. You've set me far above my circumstances. And all the blessings of Deuteronomy 28 comes upon me, overtakes me. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the country. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. If the devil comes one way, he flees seven ways. I'm continually speaking the word, meditating the word, acting on the word. I make my way prosperous. I have good success in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise, shall we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.